Good morning, coaches. How are you today? This is Coach Tall Guy. Uh, today's podcast is going to talk about another one of the pillars. So we have four pillars in soccer when it comes to player development. We have the technical focus, which is our skills, passing, dribbling, and receiving. The tactical component where we're teaching kids the tactics of the game, such as 2v1 situations, pressing, things of that nature. We have the physical component, which is running, agility, coordination, changing direction, things like that. And then we have the psychosocial aspect. So today I'm going to really dive into the psychosocial and I'm really going to look through it from the lens of a recreational player. So we have players who play competitively. We have professional players. We have recreational players. And some of the things are going to be very common across the board in terms of like why kids play the game from a psychosocial standpoint. But then there's going to be things that are different from a recreational player versus a competitive player. And since all of you guys are coaching recreational soccer, I'm going to just kind of dive into the rec player and their mentality. And as coaches, how can we kind of feed into that and train in a way that helps kids grow from this emotional psychosocial aspect so one of the big things that a kid plays the game of soccer, regardless of, of level, but particularly at the recreational level, is it's fun. Their motivation to play is it's fun. They want to be around other kids. They want to have a good time. They want to run around that physical ex- exploration, that group of being around their other kids of their age. So there's a social aspect to it. So really... That's what's going to motivate, particularly those four, fives, and six-year-olds is something new. It's creative. Um, They're out there engaged. As they get older, the motivation changes a little bit. Um, You know, so like you're looking at seven, eight, and nine, sometimes the motivation starts to become, oh, like I want to win the game. Uh, At those older age groups, the motivation for nine, 10, 11-year-olds is not only winning, but, you know, learning something new, getting better. And then for those older players, you know, 12 and up really, it's winning a lot and then perfecting certain skills. Um, But again, I think the main motivation for most players, regardless of age, is that it's fun. So we want to make sure that when we're running a practice, that we're tapping into that fun aspect. So for the young players, those four, five and six year olds, for you coaches, it's really, yes, it's fun just playing the game, but what are you doing in practice to create an environment of fun? If kids are standing around a lot, they're not moving, probably not that much fun. Uh, if you haven't tapped into a child's imagination at those ages, you're missing an opportunity to make the activities fun and engaging. Um, so think about that when you're running a practice for those little young four, five, and six-year-olds and seven-year-olds like is practice fun today? Am I playing games? Or is it just kind of the same? As a coach, am I using my voice to create an environment that's going to be fun and engaging? Um, Am I keeping the kids active enough that it's fun and engaging? Am I giving them opportunities to interact with one another? As they get older, am I creating environments where there's some sort of competition aspect? Competition can be fun for a child. So we want to make sure that we're including those things. 
So dial into that motivation for a child and for most of our recreational players is one, it's fun. As they get older, the competition piece, winning and losing. Uh, as they continue to get older, it's challenging them with new techniques, new skills, and then implementing those skills as they get older into a game. And as a coach, some of our motivation too, as the kids get older is just coaching the game and making decisions that are putting kids in a, in a nice spot to compete. Another piece of this psychosocial is we want to build up that self-confidence in our soccer players. So how are we gearing practices and games to create an environment where kids are feeling confident in themselves? Now, some of the kids, just like anything, there's going to be kids who are going to pick up certain skills and are going to understand the game quicker than others. So we want to make sure as a coach that we're building self-confidence in our players and that we're not tearing it down. Innately, young players are going to think, hey, I'm great at everything. Um, and the reality is they're probably not great at everything, but they think they are. But we don't want to like chop them down, you know, cut them off at the knees, so to speak. We want to continue to grow their self-confidence while, you know, still giving them a little bit of a dose of reality. So with those young kids, it's a lot of like compliments, um, encouragement. That's going to keep their confidence up. As the kids start to hit those older age groups, 8, 9, and 10, now that self-confidence piece, they're starting to see more. Those kids at those ages start to see like, well... Johnny's better than me or Susie's not as good as me. So they're starting to be like understanding the pecking order a little bit on their team. So it's really important as a coach that we're giving challenges that are appropriate to each kid. So we can't just blanket say everybody go do it this way because it's going to work for some but not work for the others. So we want to make sure that we're gearing our practices where, you know, there's still some sort of growth in different challenges. So you know, you can do those in ways where like um, you might go to one player like, hey, on the side, I want you to do 20. Another player, ah, show me how fast you can get to 10. And the challenge isn't necessarily the same for each player. But again, you're understanding that, you know, this kid who needs to get 10 isn't as strong right now as the player who you're challenging to get 20. If we're just giving everybody like in school the same book because we assume they all read at the same level, well, the kids aren't really going to be challenged appropriately. Same thing in soccer. Now, as the kids get older, one of the things I, I see, unfortunately, like coaches who are just inexperienced or get caught up so much in that winning aspect is they really do start to kind of ruin some of the kids' self-confidence, uh, mostly from a standpoint of like the way they just talk to their players. Um, they let them know every single time they make a mistake. And they're not actually correcting anything. They're just telling them that they made a mistake. And this really starts to kind of crush the kid's self-confidence. Um, sometimes we work with these older players and, you know, a player might only hear a coach complimenting the strongest player on the team. So you got to make sure that you're always giving positive feedback to all the players and avoid like necessarily just focusing on the wins and losses, but try to focus after a game on like, what did we do better that day as a team? Like maybe your theme was you were trying to pass the ball out wide and you record how many times you got the ball to the outside midfielder or went wide down the field. And maybe it was, you had a goal of like 10 to 15 times in a game and then you record it and you did better. So you're taking the onus off of like, 
whether we won or lost the game, but actually did we show improvement? Did we accomplish a goal? So I think giving the team and kids those little goals are going to create a lot of self-confidence. Um, another psychosocial aspect of the, the player and the team is creating cooperation. Now, this is going to be really difficult at the younger ages because they're just all about themselves at those at those ages. So I'm not like super concerned like, oh, you know, a coach came to me and we weren't that cooperative and you said we got to be cooperative. No, understand that at those young ages, right? Cooperation is pretty hard. Um, can you still set some expectations? Sure, but I think a lot of times coaches look at cooperation as like passing the ball, sharing the ball. And at those five, six, seven-year-old age groups, you know, the reality is that's a very difficult thing for them to do. So, but in, can they understand simple directions? Can they focus on their coach? Can we start instilling some habits on getting them engaged and doing the activity? Sure. Now, as those kids hit eight, nine, 10, and you're coaching those age groups, yeah, we can start incorporating some small group activities, creating that cooperation with with each other. And then as they progress to those older age groups, 11, 12, you really start to see those tactical concepts come in more in the game of soccer. So bigger tactics is gonna, you're gonna have to have more cooperation because we're starting to teach kids their role on the field. And it's just like any type of work, like we all have certain types of roles and when everybody's accomplishing their roles, doing their job duties, typically we have more success than not. So starting again, understanding the player at certain ages is very important when we're talking about that psychosocial aspect of cooperation. Lastly, I'm gonna just talk about decision, determination. So. With our young players, you know, the decision making's not gonna be high. The decision really is like, okay, I have the ball, what do I do with it? Can I dribble? Do I need to move? Where am I moving the ball on the field? Oh, we don't have the ball. Which way am I going on offense? Which way am I going on defense? Um, can we though create some of this determination in the player? Like encourage them to get after it a little bit at those young ages? Of course we can. We can do that with a variety of games that folk that forces the kids to show a little bit of determination. And we can also encourage kids like, hey, you know, in this activity, we're going to try it multiple times. If you get two, next time try to get three. So it could be something as simple as like uh, having a little warm up juggling the ball. Um, you know, the kid's struggling a little bit like, oh, I can only get one. I can only get one. And then if we go, okay, well, you get one, you quit, you know, and not encourage them to try to get to two and three and so on. Um, we're not really helping the player, but we can definitely do activities where we can try to encourage that player to fight through it a little bit and get after it. Now, as those players hit eight, nine, 10 years old, they're going to have more decisions to make and they're going to make a lot of mistakes. And what the cool thing is when they make those mistakes, those are going to be really opportunities for us as a coach to encourage them and try to help them to make better decisions um, and to learn from those mistakes and then you know cheer on their successes so like if they struggled to make a pass over a certain distance and then kept working at it and then all of a sudden they make that pass yeah we're their biggest cheerleaders but if we let them off the hook you know just like well you know you're never going to get there that's your mentality as a coach nice try nice try again but you're not really like giving them any correction or you're letting them off the hook again 
that's when the player starts to like settle for mediocrity. They don't really get after it very much. So as a coach, I would highly encourage you, particularly as they start to kind of like hit those older age groups, that you instill in them some like, yeah, you did it, but you didn't do it great. And are you going to just settle for being very average or do you think maybe next time you can do it even better? You know, and I think the more you give them little challenges and then they start to feel some of those successes and you cheer on when they do it really well, those are all going to be important. And so many times I think as coaches, we just sort of let kids off the hook. Like we let them sort of settle for being average. And then the player starts to be like, well, okay, I'm doing things okay. And coach keeps telling me great job when it's okay. Like let the feedback be genuine. Like you can encourage them, but you know, you don't have to tell them like they did a great pass when the reality is they didn't do a good pass. Like their technique was poor and you don't have to hammer them on it, but be like, yeah, that was okay. Do you just want okay? Or do you want to do it better? Because okay is going to break down a lot. But when we do it right, we do it well, we're going to have a lot more success. And then they're going to see in their practices that the more you kind of pushed them a little bit to do better, they're going to get that feeling of like, yes, I did it right. I did it well. And look, we scored that goal. So you really want to like start as they get older, kind of pushing them not just to settle for average. Now, as kids get older, there's going to be things like in the psychosocial piece of competitiveness, concentration, commitment, self-control. But the one things I want to really kind of touch on lastly is this social component. So uh, we go back to that motivation, right? Kids are motivated because it's fun, it's engaging, but there's this huge, awesome part of like team sports that is social. So, you know, we want to teach kids how to communicate with one another. Team sports, soccer is a great opportunity to teach kids how to treat each other kindly, to treat each other as teammates, to support one another when people fail. You have a duty as a coach to teach kids good sportsmanship. And that starts at the youngest ages, all right? After games, we cheer for them. But, you know, we want to teach kids, hey, when we, you know, get into a tackle late or something, we knock a kid down, we help pick a kid up. Um, We don't yell at teammates. We don't yell at coaches. We don't yell at parents. There's so much of this communication that we can teach through team sports, which is something I personally love about the game of soccer is this social aspect of how we treat each other. We can create respect. um, We can create discipline. I think that's a thing that's really hard for a volunteer coach is is putting in that discipline aspect um, because you're a volunteer and and you're working with other people's kids and you're a parent and you're going to parent your child a certain way Other parents are going to parent their kiddos a different way. But in that that moment, you are the coach. You are the head of the team. You do have a duty to discipline and you need to understand the different age groups and how you're going to discipline those kids. So if you're working with the really young kids and they're acting out, it's not necessarily because they're acting out from a place of defiance. They're acting out from a place of just they're young and their minds are scattered right now. But there is nothing wrong with saying, hey, you know, Billy, like take a little break, come back, focus. Um, There's nothing wrong with 
sometimes when something really dangerous is happening, like a kid might be on the ground and kids are kicking, stop now. All right. Hey, enough's enough. Or, you know, telling a kid we keep our hands to ourselves. Like you have that duty. And I think what we have to remember is discipline sometimes gets this bad connotation, but really discipline is a form of love as long as it's done appropriately and with respect. If you're just being a total jerk out there to players because you don't like the way that they're acting, you know, then you're not going to really get the results that you want and the player's not going to really respect you because of the way you handled the situation. Now, if you set the tone and discipline accordingly and you're showing the player that you want to see certain behaviors and you let pull a player aside and give them an opportunity to say, hey, you know, so-and-so, you know, I have a rule that when you come in, I want to see you run in. I want you to look at me. And I'm noticing you're just pulling the grass the whole time. You know, I need you to do a little bit better. Can you do that for me? Or have some sort of warning system. Like one warning is a little bit of a talking to. Second warning is, hey, I need you to take a break. Think about why you're sitting out. You can come back. And then, you know, if they continue to do the same behavior, a third time is, no, you know what? You're t- now you're taking away from the rest of the team. I'm going to sit you out. And, it, and at that point, it's a learning experience for the kid. Um, but if you just let the kids dictate everything and run ramshot over you, it's just going to be a hard season. It's not really fair to the other players. So to sum it up, don't be afraid to show a little discipline, but do it with kindness. Do it with love. And more often than not, the players will come around. And don't be afraid to also communicate to the parents on your team and just, you know, pull a parent aside and be like, hey, today I had to sit your kid out. He was doing X, Y, Z. I hope you support that. Um, I just want you aware of the situation. Use people like myself to have your back and with difficult kids. Um, we want you to have a good experience. Go to the people in the higher up, so to speak. And um, if your parent was to really give you a hard time. So use those, those moments as teachable moments because kids need to have discipline. They need to have structure. It's gonna help them grow as a soccer player. It's also gonna help your practices go a lot smoother. So thank you guys for all you do. I hope you, you can dial in If you're going to take anything away from this, dial into the fact that kids love soccer because it's a fun, awesome game. So can you tap into that fun aspect? Can you keep it enjoyable? Can you keep them active? And then that social piece is another huge reason why kids play. They want to be around other kids. They want to have teammates. So as they get older, can you do partner fun activities where they're working as a group for a common goal? Um, And it, sprinkle in that discipline as well all right it's really huge so if you can do those two things if you can you know tap into that social piece and tap into that fun piece you're going to have a lot of success as a coach uh, regardless of the age group regardless of if it's rec or competitive or even the pros Um, I can't tell you how many pro teams I see having a great time out there with certain coaches and they do a good job thank you guys have a great one